Hey guys. This. How are y'all? I know I can't Good. actually. Good. Oh, yeah, cool. That uh, I will take that as everyone. I imagine there's a slow clap. Yep. Going on right now. As there should. Yep. Um, as there should be. So uh, happy to be here with you guys. Um, so yeah, last week Charles uh, started us off on a little four-part series that we're doing, um, and he started with this quote from A.W. Tozer, and he said, "What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you." Um, and yeah, I mean that is something that I firmly believe um, that it how we think about God really does shape who we are. Um, and so this series that we're doing uh, is just looking at four of the most common ways that God is described in the Bible. So last week, Charles talked about father and how God is a father. And the other three are that God is a king, God is a friend, and God is a groom. Um, and so what's cool about this is that every person typically has one of those four that they like lean way towards and then another one that they're like I really struggle with that um, but for me the one that I lean towards the most uh, is that God is a king um, so I uh, Charles let me talk about this one today we, we both wanted to talk about this one but uh, in humility he let me have it so um, thank you but uh, yeah so it's really funny because when you think about a king um, I, I could ask you guys to raise your hands. I imagine no one would raise their hands, but none of us have ever like lived under a king. Uh, maybe if you're an international student, you have, but you might have been to a country that has a king, but we haven't lived um, under a king. So a lot of us don't really know what it's like to have a king over us. Um, but where we get this idea, where we, we all have like ideas about kings, and that typically just comes from like movies, TV shows, books, if you're like me, I love fantasy, like the fantasy genre, um, so books, movies, that anything that has that kind of stuff. Um, so I've seen like a lot of different kings, right? And we have like a lot of ideas of good kings and bad kings. So like if you like Marvel, um, the Black Panther, T'Challa, he's like a pretty good king. Uh, he, um, you know, he fights for his people. He fights on the front line for them. He's not like sitting back pointing fingers. Um, if you've seen the movie Gladiator, yeah. Commodus is not a good king. <laughs> He's a very crappy king. He's very selfish. Uh, another movie that you guys would know, The Lion King, Mufasa, mm -hmm. is a very good king. Um, he doesn't so just great. protect his pride, but he actually protects everything. Um, and the Scar is Boo. not a good king. Uh, he's incredibly selfish and cares only about himself. But if I had to pick a representation of a king outside of King Jesus... Um, that I think was the, is, is honestly, in my opinion, the best represented king. Um, it would have to be Aragorn from The Lord of the Rings. So, Woo! Christopher, mm -hmm. I know you're watching. Uh, Christopher and I have an eternal feud over <laughs> who actually knows more or likes more. So I know more, but he's a bigger fan, in his opinion. Um, but Aragorn, y'all. So if you've never seen Lord of the Rings, um, I'll give you kind of just a, a cap of who Aragorn is. So he, um, when we first meet him, he's a ranger. Um, but we find out really quickly that he is actually the king of all the land, the land Gondor. Um, and that he's not just like some random king, but he is descended from the most royal line uh, that there is. And so he is the true king, the rightful king. Um, and the land actually doesn't have a king sitting on the throne. They just have someone who is kind of sitting in and filling in. And so we not only find him, find out that he's the rightful king, but he's humble. Um, he's a servant. He, he's protecting the land, kind of okay not, with people not knowing that he's the king. But he also 
from the get-go knows his destiny. He knows who he's supposed to be. Um, and if you're kind of like, well, that sounds a lot like Jesus, um, that's because the author was a Christian, if you didn't know that. So he made his characters uh, represent Jesus. Um, but not everyone liked the fact that Aragorn was supposed to be king. Um, and one of those characters, his name is Boromir. And so the story of Lord of the Rings, there's a ring that they have to destroy, right? And so nine people come together and they say, we're going to go do this. And during the meeting where they're, they're picking the nine, someone says, well, hey, you don't talk to Aragorn like that. He's the king. Like, he's the rightful king. You need to know who you're talking to. And Boromir looks him in the face and says, Gondor needs no king. And he's like blatant, like, look, you might be the king, but I don't care. I don't need you. Because he knows that if, given when he's the, actually the, the, the pseudo-prince, the one who's going to step in um, and fill that, like, temporary role. Um, but as they start traveling, uh, Boromir starts to see the character of, of Aragorn. He starts to see, okay, he is... He's actually a really admirable guy, and um, he, he would be a really good king. And so there's this point where they're talking about Gondor, and uh, Boromir says to Aragorn, he says, we could rule together. We could do this together. We could be kings side by side. And so he's, he started to recognize that Aragorn is a king, but he says, I, I want to do this with you. I don't want you to be my king. I want to I rule beside you. Um, and then as the story kind of comes to a climax, Boromir betrays his friends to try and get the ring. And then he kind of turns from that, and then he ends up protecting his friends, but in doing so gives his life. Um, and in his last breath, he's with Aragorn. And Aragorn is talking to him, and Boromir's like, no, I'm going to die. And then he says this, I would have followed you, my brother, my captain, my king. And so we see this evolution of Boromir go from, you are not my king, I don't need a king, to then, okay, I, I want to be a king with you, to then finally admitting, I would have followed you anywhere. You are my king. Um, and I, every time I watch it, I get like chills. Um, and it's so cool because when I watch it, you know, and knowing that the author was a Christian, um, it makes me think about Jesus and this reality about Jesus that we see in the Bible, which is this, that you do not make Jesus king or Lord of your yeah, life. He already is Lord, yeah. right? You don't make Jesus the king of your life. He already is the king. It's really just a matter of whether you'll submit mm -hmm. to yeah. his lordship. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, he, he's already Lord. Philippians 2, uh, verses 10 to 11 says that at the end of the age, at the end of time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is king. Right? This means that every saint and every sinner, this means that every angel and every demon, this means that the devil himself will get on their knees and say, Jesus is king. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and this, I mean, this is crazy that, that it, it's not a matter of whether you believe it or not, or whether you act like it or not. He is the king. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just about whether you will submit to him. Um, and then, as we, we look at the life and teaching of Jesus, we see that it goes even deeper than that. Um, not just that he is Lord, whether you want to you know, make him or not, um, but really, the reality of Jesus' life and his teachings is that Jesus is either the Lord of all of your life, or he's not Lord at all. Jesus is either the Lord of all, or not at all. Uh, in John 13, 35, I'm just going to read you a couple verses of Jesus saying some really intense statements. And so 
verse, uh, chapter 13, 35, he says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus says, look, if, if, you, if I am Lord of your life, then you will love your friends. That is, that is not a question. You don't get mm-hmm. to choose whether you love. If you don't love your friends, then I'm not Lord, is what he's saying. In John 8, uh, 31 and 32, he says, uh, if, uh, or if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Again, if you hold to my teachings, right? That means the ones that you don't like. Not a lot of people. Yeah. We were talking about, I was hearing this yesterday, the most hated doctrine in all the church is hell. But Jesus taught more about hell than anyone else. Yeah. He says, if you hold to my teachings, you're my disciples. But if not, you're not Jesus' Lord of all, or he's not at all. You don't get to partially choose. And then in Luke 14, 26 and 27... He says, if you don't love me more than your mother, your sister, your father, your brother, your children, if you don't love me more than everyone else, you're not my disciple. And then he says, if you don't carry your cross, if you don't take responsibility for what's dear to me, then, you don't, then you're not a part of me. Um, he, is, he is making these explicit statements that, look, I'm Lord of everything or, or I'm not. And that's not up to him. He is king, right? But if, we, if Jesus isn't Lord of every part of our life, then he's not really the Lord at all. Um, and so this is like the I kind of a question that I have to ask and, and I hope you ask is, does our life reflect one, that we believe he's Lord, but then also does it reflect that we actually live like he's Lord? It's really easy to confess, to profess and say, hey, I believe Jesus is Lord, but to live our life like he actually is, is a totally different thing. Um, and so whether we believe it, whether we live like it, doesn't change the fact that he is the king. That doesn't change it. But okay. it still begs the question, why? Why serve him? Why, why is Jesus, why is he as a king worth serving? Um, just a short and simple and sweet answer is that he is most good, he is most uh, powerful, he is most wise, and he is most loving. Right? He, there's no one who is more good than him. He's the standard of goodness. He is more powerful. He can do whatever he wants. He's sovereign. Right, he is more loving and loving enough to give his son. He's more wise than any uh, all combined uh, people on earth. He's wiser than all of us. And honestly, the thing that I think is the biggest thing is hearkening back to what Charles said last week: that he's our father. Mm-hmm. Our king is also mm-hmm. our father. That's good, right? Which this is really cool. So, like, just just picturing, like, we don't have to go up to some guards and ask for permission to go see mm-hmm. the king. He's yeah. our dad. Right? We don't have to go and pay our way in into the presence of God. We don't have to grovel yeah. at his feet and, and just hope that he might forgive us. He said he would forgive us if we come to him. Right? Mm-hmm. He is not only our king, he's our father. Mm-hmm. But we do have to remember, because he's the king, there has to be reverence. He, yeah. he is in control of the whole universe. right? And he's righteous in all his acts. Mm-hmm. But he's our father. And we have to to remember that too, which means he's approachable. Um, And it's just crazy to think he's not just the king of a country. He's not even just the king of the world. He's the king of all creation. Mm -hmm. And we have intimate access to his presence, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I just want to go back to Aragorn real quick, and then we'll finish up, and you guys can go to your small groups. Um, But I love uh, Lord of the Rings. This is my favorite part in the entire movie. If you've ever watched it with me, I cry and I try to, I like, I even do this with, when Heather and I watch movies, I like put my knees up when she's sitting over there so she doesn't see me cry. 
Um, this is part just gets me, but it's at the very end of the movie. Spoiler alert, you've had 80 years to read the book and 20 years to see the movie, so I don't feel bad. Um, but <laughs> they destroy the ring, right? <gasps> and so that their mission to destroy the ring, there was nine men, one of them died, the other eight survived. And so at the very end, Aragorn is finally crowned the king. And so they, you know, they put the crown on his head and he gives his little speech and everyone bows to him. And it's so beautiful. And then he starts walking through the crowd and he's saying hi to his friends and you see some of the people that went on this journey with him. And then he gets up to the four hobbits. Um, and so they're the little people. Um, if you don't know what a hobbit is, they're like midgets. Um, but Frodo and Sam, they were the two that went all the way to destroy the ring. And it's crazy to think in this crowd of like thousands of people, there are only eight people that know what actually happened. And Aragorn, the king, is one of those. And so he walks up to the four hobbits, and they look at him, and then they bow, right? They bow to their king, and then Aragorn says, No, my friends, you bow to no one. And then the king himself gets on his knees, and he bows in front of his friends, who he, knows, who, who he knew sacrificed everything. And then everyone else bows, and they're just standing there like, What do we do? Um... But I love this point. I'm getting a little teary-eyed right now. Um, I love it because what it says about King Jesus, because Aragorn is supposed to be a representation of Jesus, what it says about our king is that no act of service will ever go unnoticed to the king. No act of service for him will ever go unnoticed. No, God, the Bible doesn't say God's going to get on his knee and bow to you. It's not going to happen. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what the Bible does say is that in heaven, God will give us crowns. He will give us crowns in reward for our service to him. And it also says that at the end, not just you and me, but in front of the whole host of heavens, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's going to be proud to, to, to say, this is my son, this is my daughter, who lived their life for me and served their king joyfully. But... Ultimately, the most beautiful thing in heaven is that we're all gonna we're gonna we're gonna take that one and say thank you, Jesus. But God, we know you're the one who's really deserving of this. And the Bible says we'll lay the crowns back at Jesus's feet, and we'll give him honor and glory because we know that we wouldn't even have been able to serve him had it not been for him. And we will know that we couldn't have been able to even to do anything for him without his help, his help, and his power. And we will give him all the glory and all the honor that's due him, because he is a king worth serving. Um, and he's not going to forget what we do for him. He's not going to just kind of be like, ah, oh, you didn't do enough. He's going to be proud of the way we served our king. Um, so that's all I got. Um, we're going to go into small groups now. Um, so there are going to be some questions posted. Uh, we've got a couple. I really challenge you guys to, to go deep in those um, and spend some time like really figuring out what y'all believe um, and yeah, be honest, be open.